HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. We've been making cheese in Wisconsin since before we were even a state, which may be one reason why we win so many awards for it. It's what happens when a whole state dreams in cheese. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. Welcome to Processing, a show about the intersection of food and grief. With your hosts, me, Zara Tangora, and my mom, Bobby Conforto. And today we have uh, someone who is like another family member to us joining us on the show. Um, My best friend and yours, Mary O'Malley. Um, What a wonderful episode. Mary is such an, even if she weren't my, one of my best friends in the whole world, um, I'd still say this about her. She's a really easy person to talk to. Um, Extremely bright, extremely intuitive, extremely emotionally intelligent, and uh, really honest and vulnerable, which makes for a wonderful conversation when you're talking about grief. Um, Mary is joining us today to talk about specifically grandparent grief after she lost both of her grandparents um, in a very close matter of time, a couple months span of time um, in 2018. And, you know, I just, Mary and I had been chatting about it and we were both acknowledging how grandparent grief is often cast aside as maybe not being as... um, significant as other grief because, you know, grandparents tend to be older. It's like a more, you know, uh, expected that folks who are older are going to pass away. And I think then it, because of that reason, it casts some kind of, uh, I don't know, just stigma about how we're supposed to feel. Um, when in reality, you know, in a lot of other cultures, elders are the most honored people in society. And there's just a whole other, way of looking at, um, you know, respecting people who are uh, elders in the community and honoring their passing and grieving and mourning their loss. So it was a beautiful conversation and a really interesting conversation. And uh, I loved the the turns it took. It was beautiful. Um, So thank you to Mary. And thank you to all of you for tuning in. Um, we hope that you're doing well and we ask you kindly, if you like the show, please, um, tell a friend and rate review and subscribe. What does that mean? It just means that more folks will get a chance to, um, to listen to our show because it'll become more visible. There are so many, I don't know if you guys have heard, but there are many a podcast available now. Um, 
so yeah, we want to be able to reach as many people as we can and we need your help. So thank you so much. And we really, 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 really appreciate your support from the very bottoms of our hearts. Um, we hope that the show is resonating with you guys and that um, you're getting something out of it. And if you are, let us know. You can hit us up um, on Instagram at processing underscore podcast or processing at heritageradionetwork.org. We'd love to hear from you. Um, all right, folks, without any further ado, we welcome Mary O'Malley. Mary, thank you so much. We love you. And this was such a wonderful chat. Okay, folks, take care of yourselves and each other. Bye-bye. Wow. Now today, folks, I know we say this all the time. This is a special day. This is a special guest. And I, we mean it every single time from the bottom of our hearts. But today is maybe the most special of days because my best friend, Mary O'Malley, is joining us on the show. And it is a gift and a treat. And we've already been giggling. And I just am so excited. Mary, hello. Hi. Hey, Mary. Hi. Hi. My Bobby. I feel like friend is not even a correct word. Like family member, Mary O'Malley Mm. is Mm. joining us on the show today. And Mary, you are joining us from Macon, Georgia. And what are you doing down there? Well, I am, I'm an artist. So I'm the artist in residence here at Wesleyan College. It's the first college to grant degrees to women ever. It was founded in like 1836. Um, And it's really tiny, but... um, so I have a lot of like contact and one-on-one with the student body who are, they're all pretty radical. And I'm also adjunct teaching here. I teach ceramics. So we teach intro to ceramics. And I've also been running workshops here. There's an arboretum and we uh, do little witchy clay workshops during the equinoxes out in the mm. arboretum. You're the earth's coolest person, really. <laughs> um, the students are awesome. They're mm. leading a lot of it. They are. Well, I mean, look, man, I mean, it is really true. The more that I think we can connect with young, open-minded people Mm. in this life and in this country and in in the world, I think it really does us a service because, you know, new ideas, new ways of living, new ways of being are constantly being navigated and, and learned about. And to have your ear to the ground in that way to get the opportunity to be around young people is a gift, really. Oh, yeah. It's like, it's hopeful. It gives me much hope. Um, I recommend it to anybody who's like feeling existential dread because they're all so engaged and activated and activists and they care and they're all so progressive and uh, gender fluid. And they're just, I can't wait for them to come into a position of, of power. They're just going to shake things up. It's Mm. great. That's very cool. And uh, it's interesting that you say that it makes you feel hopeful because, mm. or if you're having dread. So I'm going to go and uh, go to <laughs> go down to my local soda fountain and make some, <laughs> make some friends later today. Just, you know, go to the local playground, just hang outside the fence. Yeah. Here, and it'll go over very well. Totally. I just wear a trench coat. <laughs> should be no problem. Um, so Mary and I met when I had my former restaurant, Brucey, and Mary, we had the like beautiful remembering story, which you tell every so often. It's kind of like, tell it to me again, grandma, <laughs> which is actually going to fit into what we're talking about today. But uh, sometimes you like tell me the story of how we met the first time you came into Brucey and it's so sweet and it warms my heart every time. Um, but we worked together there and 
I don't know. I mean, really just bonded and formed such a family and with folks that were mm. still like family with today. And I don't know, I guess. So our whole relationship was kind of the foundation of it was in food and around food. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it was learning like, and eating and yeah, lots of eating yeah. and lots of learning. I've told you that I've, I have so much that I know about food um, and fun. I learned at Brucey. <laughs> well, so much that I learned about fun is from you. And we also share the fact that we didn't grow up together, but we are both Islanders. And Bobby, you are also an Islander. Mm, an island matriarch, yes. <laughs> yeah. And I sometimes, I don't know what you guys think about this, but like, I think sometimes about being from Long Island, which is this like really obviously stereotypically thought of one way place, right? It's mm. thought of as a you know, the playground for Joey Botafuco and... <laughs> that's my second Joey Botafuco reference in 12 hours, by the oh, way. Oh, really? That's interesting. He must be near to you. He's out <laughs> He's behind you. <laughs> it's that time here, the veil is thin. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, like, I think that Long Island is stereotyped and per- stereotypically portrayed one way, and, the, and many, as many places are. Um, but Long Island is an interesting place, and it's, it has a rich food culture, and it has, a you know, all different kinds of traditions about it and different kind of really spiritual places and centers and weird things that happen out on in Montauk. And, you know, there's a lot of interesting things and a lot of interesting people. And also, it has is notoriously kind of a it can be a very conservative place and a very place where there's a lot of racism. And I think that like within that kind of structure of a place you grew up in, if you are, you know, inclined to push back against that, if you are different, it's interesting what, how you form as a person growing up within those boundaries sometimes. Mm. Do you guys feel that way at all? Absolutely. I think I fought it all my life until I left and then realized and then like clung to the identity in yeah. some ways. Like, I think my accent has come out more after leaving Long Island. Mine too. Which doesn't make sense. But maybe, but also kind of being around my parents during the pandemic for 10 months helped to really get it back <laughs> in there. <laughs> really get totally. it back. But it's weird because, I mean, many, I mean, Long Island is built, it's made up of immigrant culture, whether people like to recognize it or not. But I mean, so many, I think that's been such a big disparity between living here in the Southeast and, and being back home is that so people here are like seventh generation Appalachian, you know, or um, descendant of enslaved people. And Long Island is like your first, second generation. Um, a lot of people out where I grew up on the South Shore moved out there during white flight, you know, in the 70s. And so they were, and it's like a Catholic enclave specifically on the South Shore. So it's a lot right. of like Irish, Italian, Polish, German, um, immigrants. And that's like a very big part of the story. And I think that if anything, what people think of the, what's stereotypically like New York City is actually more specific, more applicable to Long Island and North Jersey. Yeah, and, like, I agree. Connecticut, you know, I but agree. then I like to describe Long Island as like if New Jersey and Massachusetts had a baby because <laughs> we have very good pizza and bagels, but yes. also clam bakes. Right. Yes, Beautiful there seashore. are clam bakes. And yeah. like whaling culture. Yeah. And That's true. That is a big part of Long Island that I think people also don't pick up on is the salty dog culture part of it. Mm. And also the blue collar, like, you know, seaside blue collar vibe of it. You know what mm. I mean? 
Did you ever see that movie that Ken Marino made? No. I think it's called Clam Digger or Digger. Yes, because Ken Marino grew up in Bayshore. Oh, really? And Paul Rudd is the lead. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And he plays a clam digger. Oh, my gosh. And they, like, hang out at clam shacks. They dip their clam strips in ketchup a lot, which I think is weird. Well, that's nuts, but it's very close to cocktail sauce. It's very close close. to cocktail sauce. It could have been cocktail sauce. You know, my grandpa, I think I might have mentioned, my dad's dad was notoriously, like, the thriftiest person. (laughs) uh, That would be putting it nicely. The thriftiest person ever to live. And... He would, but, you know, but with good reason. I mean, he grew up in the Depression and they grew up very poor and lived very, you know, really modestly Mm. and very, actually, frankly, poor for a really long time. So it was out of necessity. And he would do things like, you know, go clamming, but not as a clammer, just as a man, just as a man reaching down for clams and like pulling out like, you know. So many metaphors. Yeah, a clam reaching man. Uh, and muscles, and, you know, he'd pull the yeah. dandelion greens out of the driveway yeah. and we'd eat them and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But that actually is a good segue into what we're going to talk about today, which is your grandparents, Mary. I am. I'm here to represent all those who have have mourned the loss of a grandparent, which can be underrepresented yeah. and underappreciated, I guess, maybe the level of that kind of Tr- Truly. And I loss. think cast aside as a judge, as a, I think often there's judgment cast upon the type of grief that we feel when our grandparents died because yeah. it's, a, you know, in some way, according to the natural order of things, whereas when you lose a parent early mm-hmm. or when, you know, a parent loses a child or you lose a sibling, uh, these things are thought to be unnatural and, and they are. Right. But, you know, Bobby, can you speak to that a little bit? Like, what are, mm-hmm. what are we talking about here? Well, we brought this up before the concept of disenfranchised loss. And it's a loss that's not recognized by society the way other losses are. So, you know, if an older person dies, you, you know, how is their spouse? How are their direct children? But whoever asked about the grandchildren and how they're doing? And mm. so I think that's why it's one of the considered one of the disenfranchised losses that we go through that society just, just doesn't recognize. And did you? Yeah, oh, I, go ahead, I, I want to briefly say I, I had an experience with that myself, which I'll, I'll tell about later, but where um, I was so affected by my grandmother's loss and it was completely not recognized. Nobody realized that I was just kind of like dying inside. So, well, what, was yeah. the, what was the loss like though? I'm curious because we're on it. What was your, I mean, I, I actually am not sure that I know a, ton about this experience that you had mom like what made it so hard what was your grandmother like was it grandma's mom no, no obviously no, that's a ridiculous me. question right. grandpa no it was my uh, father's mother who was who right. was closest to me we used to have tea parties all the time she used to come over and I would bake her in my instant bake set which the children at that time had these little bake sets and so I used to bake her these little cupcakes and we'd sit down with a little tea party and she had this long long gray hair which was wrapped around her head and I would love to take out the pins and play with her hair. I loved her, loved her, loved her. And I guess I was in fourth grade and she died and my parents didn't take me to the funeral. And so Mm. now that I look back, it was so, it was so silly because funerals help us and those rituals that we have, they help us, especially a child, understand what really happened. So I immediately got sick. I got, it went into my body. I somatized all those feelings and I was sick for like two months out of school. Nobody knew what was wrong with me. Well, now I know what was wrong with me. I never got to grieve grandma. Oh, Bobby, you're the cutest person too. And I'm just thinking you as, as if you could be any cuter as a second grader, you know, playing with your grandma's hair. It made me cry. It's so adorable oh. to think about. Oh. So Mary, yeah. tell us about your grandparents. Well, I had a similar, with one of them, a similar experience of not going to the, 
you know, funeral, if you can call it that, for my grandfather. Um, I'm also just thinking about that little mini Easy Bake oven setup that you had and how it was probably like the most dangerous thing ever. <laughs> 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 like what kind of regulations were? I know, in the, in the 50s. Honey, bake a cake without real heat. <laughs> <laughs> but like, for kids. You know, <laughs> anyway, sorry, that was a, a diverge, but, um, yeah, no, my grandparents passed away when I, in like, my grandfather passed away in October of 2017. And then my grandmother passed away three months later. Mm. And, you know, the whole time, my grandmother had dementia. My grandpa, it was, my grandmother had mental deterioration and my grandfather had physical, um, deterioration. He had COPD and emphysema and heart disease that he had reversed at one point. Um, but, uh, and his, though he was ill and it was like spinning plates and a lot of juggling to manage their decline. Um, his was sudden because it was, he just, he kept sleeping upstairs. He maintained his, his regular routine. It's not like he couldn't get around. He like was not that, um, uh, hadn't declined that much, but the his oxygen tube got like pinched, mm. um, or his tank ran ran out or something, and that just like launched him into a rapid decline, and that was that. And so, his death was much more difficult and sudden, and especially since he was totally with it. Like the week before, I was talking to him on the phone, and he was like giving me professional advice, you know, and then. Um, and he passed away while I was in London, um, which was like always my biggest fear in moving there. Yeah. And Just a sidebar, like, you moved to, Mary moved to London to go to graduate school at the Royal College of Art. Yeah. In, uh, in 2014. Um, and I remember I, and I was working, this was when I was working at Brucey that I like applied on a whim, total reach, never thought I would get to go to a school like that. And, um found out I had an interview and I just found out that I had the interview and I was working in my studio and it like something hit me so hard and I started crying and it was, I was like, Oh my God, what happened? What if something happened to um, grandma and grandpa while I was over there, I would be devastated, you know? And I had that conversation with my grandpa one morning when I was stopping over there and I was like, but what if this is what happens? And he was like, and I think at this point I had gotten in and was thinking about deferring for a year. And he was like, your grandmother's got another 10 years in her. <laughs> he's like, he's got, she's at least got another 10 years in her. And he was like, it's too big of an opportunity. We'll be mad at you if you don't go. If something happens, you can always just like get on a plane and come back here. It's not that far away and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay. And it made me feel so much better about it. So like the fact that he knew specifically that that was such a huge anxiety of mine, I felt like almost somewhat betrayed by him that he was absent-minded mm. and like didn't, you know, just wasn't being, he was very much in denial of aging always. And mm. I, which is like a ridiculous ask of, of somebody who's not well, but. Um, but it's but your yeah, heart asking yeah. You know. And like, I, I had the same experience. So I was, I had moved back to New York in 2017, but I was back in London for some projects. And I um, 
got sick. And then my mom called me. This is, this was so insane. And this is another, um, like conversation thread is how they manage, how their generation managed all this happening. And then how my generation managed it. And the, my mom and her brothers and sisters were just so in the thick of it that, um, they didn't really have the mindfulness always to like buffer our interaction with it. Not that that's necessarily their job, but, um, like my mom FaceTimed me out of nowhere and was like, grandpa's dying and you have to say bye to him like over FaceTime now. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, oh. You need to give me more time to like let this sink in. So do you wish she had told you more beforehand? Is that what you mean? Like, giving I you mean, some I don't really know how I haven't really thought about reframing mm. how that could have mm. gone better, but yeah, maybe just like a little bit more, um, of an introduction to, what was about to happen. It's intense. It's a lot. It's like, well, I think sometimes what happens in these types of situations is that someone is coming to us from where their energy is at. Right. You know what I mean? So your mom was probably like in the energetic place she was in. She's like doing kind of triage, doing like catching up with Mm -hmm. herself. And then she's like Mm -hmm. just going as though you're in the same mode, but you're in a completely different mode. You don't know anything is happening. So that makes perfect sense. And it's like one of those situations where like no one's right. It's just, it's just so different. And it's so hard when you're so in such different places. Yeah. I'm not, I'm like not mad at her at all. I I don't blame her at all. It was, I was, I do wish this situation was different, but it just is whatever. But I like good had point. the opportunity to say goodbye and I love you. And he turned his head a little bit. And apparently that was like his last like responsive action. Um, and he was just, was kind of like sat in this space of decline. You know, they started administering morphine and stuff like that. And um, I got so sick. So this goes back to what you were saying, Bobby, is that I had... And this happened again recently, but I had a mono flare up, mm-hmm. which I had not, mm. didn't know was a thing that was possible. And I just, I kept on going back to the NHS to um, see what was up and they couldn't figure it out. And then they prescribed me antibiotics, which makes ah. certain antibiotics make it much, much worse. Yes. And so that's what happened. Mm. And so I was so, so sick and so sad and like couldn't get on a plane because I was so sick and my family kept telling I just remember there was like one night um you know the kind of the troops were gathering to like go down there and he hadn't quite passed away yet and I was texting with my cousins and it was a full moon and it was a blue moon wow and so I was like (laughs) this is uh gonna be a little bit cheesy but we used to watch you know the the movie um Fievel Goes West. No, Fievel Goes West. The American Tales. The American, American Tales. American Tales. Yeah. That was one of the, like, three VHSs that my grandparents had <laughs> at their house. Aww. And so it's, like, definitely a touchstone. And so I was texting to my cousins about, like, there's one song about looking at the same moon but being in different places. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. remember how it goes. Um, and I texted that to them. And I was kind of, like, whispered out loud to my grandfather, like, you can go. Like, you should, like, let go kind of thing. Mm. And then I got a call from my dad and Catherine from like two minutes later that he had passed away you really bring up that thing of being away when you want to be there but then really really being there in your heart just being so present in your heart and we'd like to think that those energy waves go Mm. go across thousands of miles yeah 
It's hard. I had actually, I didn't really get to be there for the passing of either of my grandmothers and, you know, Bobby's mom, Violet, we were like so close. I mean, mm-hmm. I lo- I loved her. I, I think when I think about my grandma, even now I could like start crying. Like, and it's so funny because I normally don't get that emotional on the show. It's mm. rare that I ever really have the instinct to cry on the show. And I'm a crier, but there's this whole episode. I've just been really emotional, but and I'm not PMSing or anything. So it's real. But it's um, okay if you are. And it's, of, your feelings course. are still valid. It's true. I'm just saying this is real, <laughs> real emotion, folks. Mm. Um, but I didn't really get to be around when Vi passed. And when my other grandmother passed away, um, who I loved dearly in a different way and more of the kind of traditional sweet grandma way. I was more right. of a friend, but my other grandma, Helen, my dad's mom died the day before I was in that accident. And so I didn't oh, even wow. know, like, because the next day I was in the accident and she had died. So I didn't get to go to the funeral. And mm. sorry, I forgot that that happened too, that your grandma died. You and the other grandma had accidents on the same day. Yeah. What a time that was. We were star-crossed on that that time. Violet, my mom's mom, the morning I got in the accident when Bobby finally got the call, um, they were going out to breakfast and my grandmother Vi used to, she was notorious for skimpering off. (laughs) She was like 90, (laughs) but she was just like quick. (laughs) She would just scatter away and we'd let her go. And she was little and frail, you know, but she would Mm -hmm. just skimper off. And so Bobby got the call on her cell phone, you know, about where I was because all she knew is Zara had gotten in a terrible accident, like a near-death accident. And the phone rang and I I let go of my mother for a second and she took off and fell on a marble (sighs) floor and cracked her head on the floor at the same time that Zara was being, you know, airlifted away, you know, and both things happened at the same time. And grandma died the day before. Your grandma died the day before. Yeah. Oh my God. How did you manage Oh, I screamed fuck at the top of my lungs. I screamed nice. in the middle of the street, fuck! <laughs> and then, thank goodness. Where were you? Oh, we, in I was in Florida. No, we were in Florida. Oh, so I was more in Florida. Thank goodness. Everyone was doing it. In Florida. <laughs> <laughs> thank goodness Rob was there. And he stayed with my mother and I flew off to see Zara to help Zara. Mm. But it was one of those moments in time. I, yeah. It was, it's, I, it's just making me think, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Mary, but it's just making me think about how I really actually didn't get to be there for either. And then my, when my other grandma died, like, you know, half of our family, well, my uncle who's no longer with us, but is uh, Orthodox, was Orthodox Jewish. And so they kind of really commandeered the whole funeral mm-hmm. situation. And I was at Brucey at the time and it was just this weird thing. I'm like, I didn't even get to go to my grandmother's funeral and I loved her so much, you know, and mm-hmm. it's just weird. I might, my, my, both my grandparents, my grandpa's died when I was much younger. So I didn't have the same relationship with them. So it really talks about how, when you, if you're not there and somebody's dying or you're not there and somebody's sick or you're not there and somebody's being buried, how we have to find a way to process our own feelings and our spirit, um, to be with them. Yeah, it was, um, uh... He, my, I loved my grandfather, but he was not an easy personality. Um, and uh, like I said earlier, really was in denial about aging and his decline. And uh, so like paperwork wasn't really fully wrapped up before he passed away. And he also had like zero funeral plans mm-hmm. and That's hard. kept on being like, I don't care. I don't know. Whatever, whatever. But had no consideration that the funeral isn't for him. It's for those who are, who are kind of left. 
Absolutely. You know, you bring up, I just want to pause really quickly, Mary, because you bring mm -hmm. up a really interesting point that I think is really worth talking about quickly, which is that when people avoid and they know that either they're at an age where death is, you know, probably around the, even if at all, but particularly as we age or if we have terminal illness or something and I'm bringing this up because my dad did the same thing. And Mm. what you don't realize is the terrible insult to injury that it adds to family members after you pass away. It's like, because you get caught up in the minutia of paperwork and all this shit, which is like the last thing you want or can Mm. physically like, or mentally handle when you're in grief. Anyway, I'm sorry. I just wanted to. No, it's fine. It's totally true. And there's like, um, I've known a few people who have experienced that through the pandemic who are like, just had nothing was in place. And um, it makes it so much more difficult for everybody. It's like the biggest favor you can do is to have that kind of stuff set up. Um, People always work backwards from retirement and it's like work backwards from, you know, your uh, funeral arrangements. (laughs) Actually, I bring my other point on the other side of the coin. I was with some friends today who's, beloved sister died suddenly in a very tragic, violent accident. Mm. And um, they didn't know where her papers were, what she wanted, what her wishes were. And as it turned out, she had to be put on life support. And thankfully, they found what she really wanted. They found exactly what she wanted. And if they hadn't, it was hard enough to make all those decisions based on what she wanted. Because she she did want to be taken off the the machines. But to have made that decision without knowing what she wanted? It's hard. I remember when my dad was dying and he had had terminal cancer for 10 years. Yeah. And like a month before he died, he was in like a, a nursing home kind of thing, like in between the hospital and the nursing home. And I look at his, he hadn't signed his will. So I'm like, bring him his will. I actually ended up writing a short film about this specific instance. I ended up bringing him his will and I'm like, we're going to get it signed. And I look at this one page and it said that he had wanted to leave all his ashes to this man, Billy Jennings. Yes. Who he worked with 25 years ago. And I was like, excuse me, I'm your only living relative and friend that you have. Billy Jennings, why him? And he's like, I thought you would think it was gross. And I was like, what? I can't believe we're fighting about this right now. I'm taking your fucking ashes. It's definitely not Billy Jennings. Sorry, Billy Jennings, if you're listening, mm. but <laughs> you can't have my father's ashes. So I'm only saying this because it's just interesting the things that like, and then the, then this is a fight. Then my father, who has days left to live and I are having a fight about his ashes when you could have talked about it earlier. But anyway, so, so your, so grand, folks, your grandpa- get those healthcare proxies signed, get those living yeah, wills. Living so wills is something key. we can all do. It's just, you know, that means- it's so Living key. will says exactly what you want to happen in case any, you can't make that choice. And the healthcare proxy is the person that you name to be your representative. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, th- that was a big learning experience from, from uh, my grandfather. And so he had no arrangements- you know, set up really, but they did like, they did do kind of a, uh, makeshift funeral at the local funeral home. But my mom kept on being like, don't bother. I was like, do I drag myself onto a plane right now? Yeah. Like, and my mom was like, don't go anywhere. Just, it's not really a funeral. We'll do something when you get back, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, but now everybody refers to it as his funeral. I was, and I remember hearing that my aunt, Doreen spoke and I was like people spoke that's a funeral (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. That's the thing. That's the yeah. thing. I missed it and I missed it. And, oh. um, and it's definitely that, you know, that my grandmother, when her passing was so like the opposite end of the spectrum. And, um, but it definitely made my grandfather's passing. So it's like, that was an open wound for a very long time. He did ask me, um, a decade or so ago when I wanted to start a custom funeral urn business. Oh, right. You've earned it. You've earned it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Still trademark. on the back burner. Trademark. <laughs> trademark. Don't take it. <laughs> um, he wanted me to make him an urn that he could see out of. Those were the parameters. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, such a like he was a civil I engineer for such like a literal concrete person. It's like the most abstract <laughs> concept to yeah. to co- to pass on to somebody in a commission. But I still haven't done it. We still his ashes are in like the original box sitting on my parents' mantle, and uh, I feel like that will probably be cathartic when I do it. I think I was going to make it out of like two way mirror. Oh, wow. That's cool. So is that your plan to make his room? Yeah, I'll do it. I gotta do it. He can't be sitting in that box. He'd be pissed off if he knew that. Mm. He was there, I think. So how did your grandma die three months later? What happened? So my grandmother, uh, so she had, she had dementia, but she had vascular, it was a vascular Vascular dementia. dementia. Um, she had such crazy moments of clarity, um, I remember I was there the summer before my grandfather died and he had to go to the hospital while I was there. I think that might've been the last time I saw him actually. And, uh, and my grandmother was just obsessed with going to the, going to the hospital to see him. Um, they were so bonded. Um, and, but she was having issues with incontinence and like, but we couldn't get her to get changed. And I was like, just let her go. Just let her have a soggy butt. It doesn't matter. <laughs> just let yeah. her go. Just cause she's so hyper-focused on this. And then we went and they ate and we got ice cream for them. I have a photo of them eating ice cream together. Oh. I should share that with that you. So and, uh, cute. and she was just like, please just punch sitting there eating her ice cream sandwich. And then she was oh. like, okay. And then we went home, like got some food and then went home. And then when we got back home, she just like, came back and like, and like sat, my aunt Doreen was there and we were sitting at their kitchen table, which is in my grandparents' house now, not my grandparents, my parents' house, but we were sitting there and she was like, you know what? Okay. This is what we need to do. These, we need to start making plans and arrangements for things and all this stuff. And then she started speaking to me about, I'll get a little emotional, but she was like, your work is so amazing. And my father would love what you're doing so much because you're just like following your creativity. And she was like, stop coming down here. <laughs> she was like, you need to go back to work mm-hmm. and let other people like handle what's going on. And she was just all of a sudden oh, so wow. clear. It was so wild. I remember my answering and I just being like, what the hell wow. was that? And then she was like, gone again, you know? Yeah. But she had planned everything. She Her decline was over a long period of time. It was exponential, but... Um, so she knew what she wanted and she had a lot of things planned out and ready to go. Um, one, one thing that made it kind of, what it put real, a real wrench in the, in the works was what happened with the Catholic church. 
<laughs> spotlight what story. Wow. Right. Oh, 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 you yes. know, that mm-hmm. whole thing. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so they left after being like devout. I mean, my grandfather was always a little cranky about going to church, but every Sunday they went. Um, my grandmother's little brother was a priest. He was a Franciscan. So they went really? to a Franciscan church in Virginia and um, in, the sep- in their 70s, they left the Catholic church. Wow. And so it's like, what those a brave were, decision. Yeah. Yeah. I remember yeah. so well the conversation happening and me not really understanding what it was about. Um, but be, my grandmother being like, that's that. Um, wow. I think maybe a um, Monsignor or a, a priest, one of the fathers at her church, I think was outed. And so she was like, nope. Wow. Um, and you know what? Her, my, her brother, Tim, we call him Uncle Father Tim. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> he used to talk about it back in the day. And yeah. he like, you know what? The church is covering this up and it's going to bite them in the ass if they don't do something about this. Yeah. Anyway, so my grandmother had a much more, um, she was much more realistic. I think her being like having a close relationship to her faith made her less afraid of facing these things and setting up these kind of uh, rituals for us to move through. Um, And so when she was declining, um, I was back. That was when I was back in New York and my parents were in Malibu and Catherine was in Brooklyn. And I remember talking to my mom and she was like, she went there and I was like, what's going on? What's the update? What should we all be doing? And she was like, we don't know. We don't know yet, blah, blah, blah. But I could just tell, I was like, we need to go there now. And I just, I called, I was like, we're not going to do this again. I'm going to make the decision. Called Catherine. I was like, we're going down. I called my cousins who I'm close to, who I thought would also be like, you know, point people for going. And we went and we sat there um, for like three days. Uh, We had this incredible woman who was her private in-home care for her final month because she got kicked out of every um, nursing home and facility that she went to because she was a biter. Oh, wow. She liked to bite. She said it was, she said she was um, getting her Irish up is what she would say. Which is so crazy because she was so like the most gentle, sweet grandma-y grandma ever. Anyway. That's what dementia, that's what dementia. I know that's a hard memory, but in some way there's something there and I don't know what it is. You know what's insane? There's something there about that that is endearing. I forgot in her like final stages, she, there was this poem that she would recite. Really? And I can't remember it exactly. Something about the gifts that, oh, I won't. It's, but it's about seeing a person in front of you in church who's got a very ha- fancy hat on, um, but has lice crawling in their hair. Wow. And it's about, and the poem is, I, fr- I think it might, I don't remember it, but it, um, Robert Frost, maybe, I don't know, but it's a, uh, it, she kept saying it over and over again when we're like, this is like, she's telling us things aren't what they appear. Right. Right. Almost, right. You know? Oh, that is it's so interesting. Almost like she's in there. You know what I mean? You but know, it's I was thinking when you face. said that before that maybe they really see everything and know everything. They just can't bridge the world. They're in a different world. So they can't I think that's absolutely what it's like. I mean, I don't know if I do have a very close, my close friends who are brother and sister, their dad has, really advanced dementia and has for a long time and we talk about it all the time and that's what uh he the brother is always saying that like it's like he's there 
and he says these things that we don't understand, but they understand them. In their head, they're making sense. They just, it's, there's a wire cross between the way it comes yeah. out, which it's is like, very sad. It's like being yeah, trapped inside behind some, some kind of wall or something. Terrifying. It's, really, it's a terrible, yeah. very, very upsetting way to, and I just wanted to mention quickly, because I don't think we talked about this. Your grandparents lived in Virginia, correct? Yes. Yeah. yeah. When they were, uh, my, they had six kids. And when the youngest went to college, they were like, peace. And they were out. They left New York, tri-state area in their early 60s and moved to the middle of nowhere. Well, it was the middle of nowhere then, North Virginia, into a like old lodge house. Wow. That was, uh, it was an eight acre property, but it was surrounded by 800 acres of this estate, which has since been bought by a developer and sectioned off into McMansions. But when we were growing up, oh my God, it was the best, best, best. It was like, and so, and my, my aunt Carrie moved down there when my grandparents did shortly after and raised her kids down there. So my cousin, Emily, um, my cousin, Rudy, uh, Emily's around my age. And uh, so I would go down there for the summers and I just could never get enough time there and would spend like full months at a time with living with them. That's so sweet. With my grandparents and pounding so, around with Emily and Rudy. What were some of the, you know, cause we like to obviously talk about food on this show too. Mm. And I know you as someone who has such a, um, such an enthusiasm for celebration and beautiful, mm. like we've made some of the most gorgeous dinners and barbecues and celebrations Absolutely. and cooked some of the most gorgeous food together. And just like really fun, heartfelt things like, mm you know, eat with your hands. Like everybody's laughing. There's stuff spilled all over the table and the candles are burning down. Literally the, to me, the perfect kind of meals Mm. that I've had in my life have been shared with you. So I'm curious to know if like, not, I mean, it could be that specific food memories came from the time with your grandparents or even spending summers or even just like the vibe, like where did, where did this come from in you? Is any of it connected to your relationship with them? Yeah, I was thinking about that and it's, they're not necessarily like foodies similar Mm -hmm. to your grandfather. My grandmother was, uh, of the depression and they're Irish. We're not really like, you know, yeah, known for a fine cuisine, which is kind of a kind of bullshit because it, well, it's a whole nother conversation, but it has a lot to do with, um, being colonized and oppressed English by colonialism. The yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which you know is a favorite topic of mine. I know it like, is. Like potatoes are actually from South America. But um right. anyway. Uh what I what came to mind was the fact that because they bought this big like lodge of a house, um, it was such a gathering place. It was a key anchor of a gathering place for that side of the family. Um like we didn't go on family vacations. We would go to my grandparents' house. Um, oh, that's awesome! And a lot of our my aunts and uncles and their families were like that as well. And so it was our meeting zone. And even if there were like tiffs between our aunts and uncles, between the siblings, the cousins would go there. It was like a neutral territory where we could build mm. our own relationships. You know? Yeah. Um, and a lot of those gatherings, just like everybody else, it's around holidays and. Um, and which is the root of which is a, a feast of sorts. You know, my grandparents, actually, my grandpa, he was like, you know, born and raised on Long Island because he was German. So he's part of that, like, era of immigration. Um, and when he was 
because his parents were from Germany when he was six, the FBI came to their house, you know, to like interrogate them because World War II. Wow. And uh, so he only spoke German until he was six. And then that day, his grandfather was like, we are no longer German. And so whenever I would like Whoa. my Irish family, they're all so that identity is is forefront. And I remember asking if my grandfather, I was like, so where are you from? Where? And he was, <laughs> what are you? I think I would ask him. He was like, yeah. American. <laughs> Wow, that's so interesting. I think part of this move down there was to like go deeper into this idea, identity of what an American Mm -hmm. is to him, I think. And, you know, he loved to like hunt, though I don't think he was wonderful at it. They raised (laughs) cows. They raised turkeys. They had a, a little farm and stuff. So we were put to work a lot when we were down there. I think my grandmother was a master at busying us so that she... Like she would literally, they would open the door and release us into the acreage of this estate. And as long as we had a dog with us was the rule. We could do whatever we want, go anywhere we want. And just had to, when the sun started to go down, we would just head back to my grandparents' house. But a lot of the daily routines involved picking berries. They had a lot of like wild blackberry bushes and raspberry bushes and um, picking string beans, which was the worst and and tomatoes and peaches and apples. They would harvest. They had a little orchard and we'd harvest apples each year, um, picking bugs off the plants. It was a lot of like, you know, what you would imagine as like day laborer on hand work. (laughs) And like my little ADHD self was really not great at it. My cousin Eleanor was like, could just go down a ring and string beans and pluck every beetle off. And I was like, (laughs) do one bush. And I'd be like, done. (laughs) Next. Um, But then my grandmother would make us eat the stuff at night. She'd be like, string bean time. And she had a thing called um, no thank you portions. So if she'd be like, string beans, we'd be like, no thank you. She'd give you like a small no thank you portion of string beans. And um, my cousins from Ohio, who were there a lot at the same time, put ketchup on everything. (laughs) And they came up Yes. So they came up with a ploy. They were like, yo, these are edible if you put ketchup on them. I'm like, okay. (laughs) So that's how we ate string beans in my grandparents' house. We'll call this episode um, String Beans and Ketchup. Yes. String Beans and Ketchup is the name. Oh my God. And and warm root beer floats was also my grandmother's specialty. Really? Well, the ice cream is warm as well. (laughs) But like, it would be instantly. It was always room temperature root beer with ice cream and it was like just a hellscape to me I hated it so much but my grandfather would keep a stash of Klondike bars and that was my my go-to dessert when I was down there and the day always ended with um sleepy time tea and I definitely keep that Mm. like sitting on the floor of the tv room while they were in their recliners drinking sleepy time was like the ritual oh my um, god I love that try to keep that And then whenever I smell, though I hated it, whenever I smell a tomato vine, it like instantly brings me back to yeah. summers. Me too. That was my grandpa I used to have, grow tomatoes in the garden too. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you a question. I guess maybe it's a big question or maybe it's a one word question, but like, what are you, when you think about your grandparents, like, and their role in your life, like, what is your feelings about what they gave to you that is, like, different than what parents give? How is this relationship mm. to you, like, nurturing in a way that is di- was different than your parental relationship? Mm, mm. I think we talked about this, huh? Last time I was, 
we I, when I was driving down here. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I think I really, I think I put my finger on it because I went, so my cousin Rudy, who I mentioned, who grew up there, he got married. Well, he got married during COVID and had their one year anniversary party in Virginia at my aunt and uncle's house. And my grandparents, um, it was palpable, the whole, the void of them not being there. My aunt and uncle's house is always the satellite location when we would go to Virginia. Now it's the sole location, which is wonderful. And I'm grateful that they're there and we have that. Um, but I was just thinking about their, their, since their deaths, um, the family has absolutely been fractured and destabilized um, in a sustained, you know, state of that since because of just infighting amongst the siblings, which um, I try to stay out of. But um, I think that what made me think about what I miss from them is that they were such a stabilizing presence. And I wonder if this is a commonality for people who are partially raised by grandparents a bit is that because they're older, they're just like more chill, have their schedules more highly scheduled, you know, when you have younger parents who are like, they're just juggling a lot, you know, so things can be a little bit more chaotic. Um, You know, maybe also because I have ADHD that like hyper schedule, environment I found very, very, very calming. And, mm. uh, and yeah, it was just all more relaxed. I always loved old people activities. I would go to my grandmother's book club with her. <laughs> there were a lot of library trips. I just like, I got down with all of that, you know, yeah. and, um, and also just the landscape and environment of Virginia was such a great reprieve to Long Island. Um, You know, I think a couple of things when I think about grandparents and what makes the relationship special, I'm curious to know what you guys think about this. First thing is, is that our relationships with our parents are so fucking fraught, even when they're good, you know, because there's just these responsibilities Mm. of a parent to be a certain way. And there's a responsibility, almost an unspoken responsibility of a child to push you away as a parent. And that dynamic is so painful. And Mm -hmm. there is also that, so that responsibility on the parent's end, when you become a grandparent, you don't have to be that person to this child, to this new child who you love, just like your own child, Mm -hmm. but you can love them in this way where you don't have to also be their constant disciplinarian. In fact, you can be their, like, you're their reprieve, kind of as you were just talking about your grandparents. So it is, if it's a good bond, and I know certainly there's plenty of people who don't have, are yeah. fortunate to have this relationship and that's a reality, but I guess I'm speaking about it, if it is a good bond and a healthy bond and a healthy relationship, like you have the chance to have a relationship with an adult who loves you and is an mm. important like figure in your life, you know, a family figure that doesn't have to inherently be so fucking complicated. Yeah. And what a blessing to mm. have that, mm. you know? And then- Right, and we to have to a do. tea party, which is like, and not to have them also like have this internal struggle, which is so inherent with fan, with parent child relationships, and like, yeah. and and then we are told essentially to how we began this conversation that it's kind of doesn't matter when they die because they're old, and yeah. what a fucking bizarre, mm-hmm. weird 
thing. Because in most other cultures, people who are old are valued more and are wiser and have lived longer. They have more of a story. It is a, you know what I mean? Like, so what a weird thing. And, but it sounds like, you know, I, A, I'm so appreciative, Marion, that you came on to talk about this because it's important. It's an important in life for people to feel seen. I think part of feeling seen is knowing that the things that impact you and give you and and cause you grief or cause you happiness or joy, like are real. And you know what I mean? So I think it's important to talk about that stuff. And also just for the vulnerability it takes to talk about something that's sad and, you know, painful. Thank you. I would like to add something to our listeners that when I printed out your um, um, report that you sent about the podcast today, I ended up printing full size the pictures. I didn't mean to. So I have gigantic color pictures. You're going to frame that, some 8 by 12 <laughs> I got to tell you something. I am so excited. They're the most wonderful pictures. And I would say to our oh. listeners, try to look at the Instagram pictures. Because there's pictures of you as a little girl with this bright red head, this cute, cute, sweet little girl. Cute. And with your grandpa on the tractor. And it's another cute. one, you're just squeezing your grandma. Your grandma's in yeah. the middle and you're squeezing her. And then I didn't know what your grandma was showing you here in this picture. A kitten. A kitten. Oh, a kitten. Oh, a kitten. And, and you know, we didn't get their names. What were your grandparents' names? Oh, Rudolph and Catherine. But my grandmother mm. went by Kathy. But my grandpa called her Kath. And she called my grandpa, whose name is in civilian life, Rudy. She would call him Rudd. Oh. But we I would often, like, call them Grandma Grandpa, like, squish it into Grandma Because they were such a unit. Yeah. yeah. Mm. But that picture of me hugging them was, that was me saying goodbye before I moved to London. It's so beautiful. Well, I have a perfect poem to read today. I like to try to find a poem. And I found one, and the author is Winnie the Pooh. So I thought that it would be... Oh, you are so cute. I I thought it would be a perfect... And actually, a client gave me this and made me aware of this, how beautiful this is. And it says, if there ever is tomorrow when we're not together. See, we're all very emotional today. (laughs) If there is to, if there is ever a tomorrow when we're not together, there is something you must always remember. You are braver than you believe, stronger than you seem, and smarter than you think. But the most important thing is, even if we're apart, I'll always be with you. Oh, Bobby. <laughs> that is Put a the house down. Put the house down. You really did bring that up. Um, <laughs> That is sweet. Our grandparents would say that to us, right? Our grandparents, that's what they would say to us. Exactly. Yeah, it's like, yeah, and not everybody had this, you know, relationship. I mean, my my brother and my grandfather did not get along, you know. Um, But for those, for some people, a lot of people, I think grandparents are like your ultimate champions and cheerleaders, you know. They um, get to love you in a different way. Yeah, it's important. Um, (laughs) feel I think when my grandmother passed away and that a funeral was we crushed it it was so good (laughs) (laughs) and I got to I I wrote I read a her eulogy and read and wrote her eulogy Mm. I guess is kind of given but um it felt I felt gratitude I felt a lot a lot of gratitude yeah and also, if it wasn't for our grandparents, they wouldn't be our parents. And if it wasn't for our parents, mm-hmm. they wouldn't be us. Exactly. 
it's nice to get to love people like that way. And it's lucky mm. when you have a good relationship. Mary, we ask everybody the same thing at the end of each episode. So mm-hmm. on to you, I say, if you could have given yourself a piece of advice at the beginning of this grief experience, kind of knowing what you know now and having gone through it, what would you have told your, your younger Mary self? I think... I mean, I'm hesitant to, I'm like hesitant to say that I would have told myself to get on a plane and go home when my grandfather passed away. I'm hesitant to say that because I don't, I don't remember how feasible that actually was, you know, but I think, um, but I think though that experience did kind of give me the map to properly walk through my grandmother's transition. You know, I mean, we were all there in the house when she passed away, which I'd never witnessed or experienced before. And it is, it's like, it was like watching a baby come into the world. Exactly. It's the same, same people thing. go out the same way. Absolutely. And it is so, it, it's so um, taboo. Um, and I think it's, it's a gift to know that it's like important to be there and witness that stuff, even when it's really, really hard. Yeah, It's a beautiful thing and important and rituals are important. And you can even make them up, even if they're made up, they're still important you know like my we did stuff off the cuff mm-hmm. at my are there more questions I'm about to go on a tangent. no go ahead go ahead but for my grandmother's funeral she it was in the funeral home we had my cousin Sean is a ex-priest and so he kind of filled the role of like kind of towing into spirituality but you know with the, yeah <laughs> you know he was it was a perfect fit for that and then my sister and my cousin Rudy and our cousin Tim are just like prodigy musicians. And so they played music and then I read the eulogy and then we, she got buried at a monastery in Virginia, 10 minutes away from their house, which nobody knew was there. And it's a natural cemetery. So there are no headstones. Um, She had to be buried in a similar to like a Jewish coffin, no nails and nothing. Um, And we just kind of impromptu my cousins Rudy started playing the fiddle as we were walking to her gravesite. We we like put the dirt on her coffin, helped bury her. My uncle Phil started singing Ave Maria. Mm-hmm. So wow. kind of right. off the cuff it started snowing oh. while he was singing. Oh. It was that just incredible. incredible. Full of spirit. Yeah. Oh Full of God. spirit. And you're right. Yeah. It's, it comes from inside. It doesn't have to be one that anybody else created. It's your own. Yeah. And I, so I, I try not to like go back in time and wish I had done something, but I think those experiences, knowing that it putting value in, in ritual and being present was really, really mm. important. That's beautiful, Mary. So we also like to just ask people and we're running out of time, but, and this isn't a fun one because we're going to get to actually do this in real life. But if we were all get to share a meal together now, what would we <laughs> all want to bring? Us three? Yeah, yeah, us three. Well, we've talked about that, like, trash barbecue. <laughs> yes, that's true. Doing a trashy barbecue would be fun. So what would you bring to it? Bobby, have you ever heard of hot dog salad? No. <laughs> <laughs> I think that I'll try anything. Smart. If we make it together, I would have hot dog salad. I would eat hot dog salad in a second. Hell yeah. <laughs> I was. We were just talking about riffing on, like, maybe iconic American <laughs> backyard barbecue foods and wow i would bring hot dog salad all right hot dog salad would be great fine if we're gonna do that (laughs) i'm gonna bring 
Um, I'm going to bring a uh, baked macaroni and cheese covered with crushed up Doritos on top. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes, 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 yes. Well, what I'm, I have to bring this because I went, I told you that I went to visit this friend today and she lives on a farm and she gave me this huge basket. Of pick, we picked the vegetables together. And so I think I have to bring those, but I think we could just stick them on skewers and put them right in the fire, like put them right in the totally. coals. And right. cover them in ranch dressing. Yeah, okay, exactly. there we go. Okay, got it. Batter them. <laughs> got it. <laughs> All Give right, Mayor We love you so much. I love you guys. Was, what Thanks an episode. What an Oof. emotional roller coaster. And really Lofty. so oh, thank beautiful. You. It was so wonderful. You're amazing. Mary, can you quick tell us you have a show coming up um, that oh, I want, yeah. you wanted to promote? We'd love to know more about it because, yeah. What, what's well, after on? making an absolutely no artwork in 2020, I applied for this residency and, uh, the work I'm making here is all about like, how do we deal with these major life events without the rituals that we were given through, you know, we were raised Catholic and then we weren't. And so we didn't really know what to do for these times in our lives. Um, and so actually my cousin Emily and I have been looking into Celtic reconstructionist paganism um, after our shared experience of our grandfather versus grandmother's funeral. Mm. And we're starting to incorporate some of those rituals into our lives and and her daughter's lives. And so the work I'm making here is kind of taking from, you know, imagery from my Catholic upbringing and uh, the very nature-based and rhythms of nature-based rituals of Celtic paganism and and creating a a vignette of of 2020. Amazing. And when is the show going to be? January 26th, it opens at the Macon Museum of Art and Sciences. Ooh, that's my birthday. Maybe I can come. <laughs> oh, shit, that's right. For my it's birthday. A cute, it's, a, it's like the uh, the main squeeze here as far as museums go. It's very nice. And there's a uh, petting zoo on the other side of the wall. Of oh, my the God. Gallery. Amazing. <laughs> that is amazing. Which I love so much. That's incredible, Mayor. Um, yeah, we, about, we love you. Thank you so much for this. And, yeah, we love you. We'll talk to you later. Love you guys. Can't wait love to you. come home and see you. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. There's a reason when you think of Wisconsin, you think cheese. Cheese is a huge part of Wisconsin's history and future. In Wisconsin, the state of cheese, the tradition of cheesemaking excellence began 180 years ago, before Wisconsin was recognized as a state. Immigrants traveled to settle in this lush green hills of Wisconsin bringing their cheesemaking traditions with them. These storied skills combined with the freshest milk available created a cheesemaking culture that is uniquely Wisconsin. Wisconsin's 1,200 cheesemakers, many of whom are third and fourth generation, continue to pass on old world traditions while adopting modern innovations in cheesemaking craftsmanship. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. Thank you so much for joining us for Processing. We realize that sharing these types of deeply intimate stories on air is a very personal decision. We began this project as a way to connect our listeners through shared experiences and storytelling. We hope that Processing can be a platform for sharing, learning, and healing. We appreciate our guests' willingness to be vulnerable and value nothing more than making both our guests' and listeners' experiences with our show positive and progressive. If you're interested in being a guest on the show or writing in a listener letter, please email processing at heritageradionetwork.org. 
please follow us at processing underscore podcast on Instagram. Processing is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click at the heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.